verses 1 to 20. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. But Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Great. Well, thank you, Graham, and good evening to you. It's great to see you here this evening and to have you here with us. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started having a look at that passage in Mark together. Father God, we thank you so much for your word that you have given us. We thank you so much for this eyewitness account so that we can know for ourselves today that your son Jesus does transform lives. Help us to see that clearly this evening and to know it for ourselves as we go away from St. Mary's too later this evening. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me start by asking you a question. What is the biggest change that's ever happened in your life? This, th- this evening we're thinking about change, big change, as we carry on our mini-series of Transformed Lives. Last week we saw the transformation that took place in the life of the Samaritan woman. And if you weren't with us then, we saw how she went from utter discontentment to true, lasting satisfaction. And we also heard of a modern-day transformation from Emma, 
and she told us how the good news of Jesus had transformed her life and changed her forever. And that was really great. Well, later in the service, I'm delighted to tell you that we'll be hearing about another transformed life when we hear from Amy, as she shares with us later on. But before that, we've got the opportunity to look at a life from 2,000 years ago and the real change that was brought to it. So if you've closed your Bibles, then please open them back up again to Mark chapter 5, which can be found on page 1007. And as I said just a moment ago tonight, we're thinking about big changes. And I wonder if there have been any big changes that have happened in your life. Maybe you've just moved house, and it's looking something like this at the moment. We've all been there, we've all known kind of living out of the boxes, and it's, it can be quite a stressful time, but that's definitely a big change, isn't it? Maybe uh, you've just arrived into Basingstoke, and you're meeting lots of new people, and that's a massive change. Perhaps a loved one has just gotten married. Or even you're thinking back to your own wedding day and the big change that that was in your life. Or maybe it's a new addition to your family, your son or daughter, or that new brother or sister. Those are massive changes that automatically change the way in which you live your lives. Perhaps when you think of change, you think of your stuff, the change of getting a new bike, a new games console. That can be a big change too. Now, what's one of the first things you do when big change happens? Well, you want to tell other people what's happened, don't you? You want to tell them that you're now engaged, that you've got that new iPhone 7 in a few weeks' time, that you're loving life down south in amazing stake. Well, here today in our true Bible story, we hear of a man who had a massive change in his life, much bigger than a new Xbox or even moving house, a change that was even bigger than a new son or daughter or new brother or sister. The massive change, this transformation, was all because of a man called Jesus. And like us, when big, exciting change happens, this man who met with Jesus couldn't keep it to himself. Today, we're looking at Mark's Gospel, written by one of Jesus' followers. And in this part of the Bible, we read of a true story of a man's life that was completely turned around. And looking at chapter 5, we read of what this man used to be like. And it's pretty scary. Have a look again at uh, verse 2 to 6 of chapter 5. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry and cut himself with stones. That's the image we get of this man. And it's pretty terrifying, isn't it? 
how terrifying does this guy sound? No chains could hold him. That's the verses there. No chains could hold him. No person was strong enough to control him. and No chain was strong enough to bind him. He lived among the dead in tombs in some kind of graveyard. He cries out with a loud voice and cuts himself with stones. This guy, this man, was a real mess. I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty freaked out if I came across this man. Super strength, super weird, and super scary. This guy is literally living in a cemetery amongst the tombs. And whilst that might seem a bit creepy to us today, to the Jewish people then, the dead were considered as unclean. And to be living in the tombs, this man would have been a complete social outcast. This man had been completely rejected by the society that he once lived in. But did you see why all this was the case? Did you see why this man was like this? In verse 2, he was uh, possessed by an evil spirit. He had an evil spirit within him. Now, for us today, evil spirits, demons, might sound like something from a storybook that you would read to your children, or something that features in that sci-fi box set that you're working your way through. Something that isn't really real. But what we see happening here is really real and deadly serious. Definitely not something from the children's section or off of Netflix. And we're going to be thinking about big changes. But to properly understand, understand this, we need to recognise that there is a great evil in this passage. There is a great, a big enemy, if you like. And that big enemy is Satan. Now, I don't need to tell you how unpopular it is to speak about Satan in our society today. Satan, the cartoon character, right, with horns and hooves and normally red and has a pitchfork maybe, that's kind of the image that we have of Satan if you're going to think about him at all. Well, this evening we need to recognise the reality of Satan and his power. Later in the New Testament we read these verses, have a look at the screen, in 1 Peter 5, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And in 1 John we read, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And in numerous other places as well, in the New Testament, the devil is described as the ruler of this world. This is serious stuff. And to take Satan lightly is to underestimate the greatest enemy of all. C.S. Lewis, who I imagine quite a few of you are familiar with, he was the author of uh, the Narnia stories. He wrote uh, an excellent book called The Screwtape Letters that I would encourage you all to read. I'm pretty sure it's on the uh, bookshelves outside. This book is a series of letters from an experienced demon named Screwtape to an apprentice demon called Wormwood. And in the letters, uh, Screwtape advises Wormwood about, uh, Wormwood about how to pull a certain human patient away from God 
and towards the depths of hell. Listen to what he says. The devil has changed his tactics, Screwtape writes. Instead of making pigs jump off cliffs, uh, cliffs, possessing people and whatnot, he's getting people not to believe in him or God. But when they are lulled into a full sense of security, are they then most vulnerable? We've got to take Satan seriously. He really is our greatest enemy. And here in this passage, the first thing that we notice is that the big enemy hates God and hates God's people. Satan and his demons are the reason that this man is in such a mess, is suffering so much. And the question is, can anybody help him? Surely the big enemy, surely Satan, that's causing this man's suffering is too powerful to be beaten. Well, when we carry on reading, we find out what happens next in this passage. Have a look with me at verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. I don't know what you think about those kind of verses. It's pretty crazy stuff, isn't it? It's not your everyday eventuality. We'll have a closer look at what is actually going on here. Remember, we were considering, was there any way that this poor man could be saved? Was there any way that Satan could be beaten? In verse 6, we see that Jesus has arrived. And how do these demons respond to him entering the scene? How do the servants of the big enemy treat Jesus? Well, the demons, well, they fall upon their knees and call him the Son of the Most High God. Son of the Most High God. An expression that shows us they knew who they were speaking to. This was God, the one and only. Now, when the demons that possessed this man said this about Jesus, they weren't showing any love for Jesus, any affection or gratitude. Now remember that they hate God and his people, but they did recognise that Jesus was in charge and not Satan, the great enemy. And we see this from what they say and do. Have a look at those verses again. They beg Jesus and they need permission from Jesus to leave that man and to go into the pigs. Jesus really is in charge. And amazingly, we see Jesus here performing a miracle and driving out the demons from this man. He gives them permission to leave this man and go into the pigs. This man who no one could help, who was such, such a mess, who had been completely rejected by his people, well, he's just been saved by Jesus. 
do you understand who Jesus really is yet? You've probably heard that he's a lovely saviour, that he wants to be your friend. And that is absolutely true. But do you understand that he is the one who has total power? That he is the creator of all things? Do you understand that if you have Jesus this evening, then you're safe? There's literally nothing and no one that you need to fear. Because there is no one greater or more powerful than he is. Here in these verses, we've seen that even the biggest enemy, Satan, and his demons cannot stand against the power of Jesus. Satan and his servants are a big enemy, but we have a bigger God. Jesus has all power as the Son of God. And this is something that we see time and time and time again in Mark's Gospel. In the chapter before this one that we're looking at tonight, we see that Jesus has power over disasters where he calms a storm. And his terrified disciples are left wondering, who is this man? Here we've seen that Jesus has power over demons. And in the following stories, we see that Jesus has power over disease as he heals a woman who has been bleeding for 12 long years. And perhaps most importantly, we see that Jesus even has power over death when he brings a dead girl back to life. Disasters, demons, disease and death. It's not my alliteration, it's straight from the Bible. Jesus has power over all of them. He really is the Son of God. And we need to take him so seriously this evening. In every one of those cases, we see that a man can do nothing. Humans are helpless. When was the last time you tried to stop it raining? Maybe it was on a bank holiday, you had some great plans for you and your family, you had a great day planned, and of course, being England, it rained. Maybe you really wanted it to stop raining, but of course, you can't stop the rain. There's nothing you can do. And the disciples who were caught in the storm, well, they were bailing the water out of the boat, but they were still sinking, destined to drown, until Jesus intervened. That woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, who had seen all the doctors that they had been uh, to see and spent all the money she had on medical care that ultimately couldn't help her. She was destined to suffer destitute as an outcast until Jesus intervened. And for that little girl, she was dead. Surely that was the end of the line. And if we, can, if we can't stop a storm or even the rain, then we certainly can't stop people from dying, however much we might want to. Jairus, the father of that girl, was destined to grieve the loss of his little girl until Jesus intervened. And here in our passage today, we see a man rejected by society, at the mercy of the demons that controlled him, an evil too powerful for anyone to overcome, until Jesus intervened. Jesus is the only one who can do these things. And these chapters here in Mark screen to us that Jesus is not just 
another bloke, not just some good teacher. He's the all-powerful son of God. I got some uh, mail from the UCCF, which run uh, the Christian unions across the country, uh, yesterday I think it was, and it was uh, part of the annual report, and it gave statements from students that had become Christians during mission weeks. And one of the ones uh, from London said this, Since uh, exploring the Christian faith, I've concluded that Jesus is the Son of God. Nothing has changed my year and life like this, and nothing ever will. How great is that? Jesus is the Son of God who brings big change. Amazingly, the Son of God wants to use his power to save and transform people to save and transform even me and you. And we see this in the final part of our verses that we're looking at this evening. We've seen the big enemy, and we've seen that we have a bigger God. And now finally, we see the big change that Jesus brings, the transformed life. Have a look with me at verse uh, 14 and 15. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Remember what this man used to be like, this angry, crazy, violent, naked man who would break out of his chains and cut himself. He lived among the tombs, amongst the dead, But that was what he used to be like. What do we see now? Well, he's being completely transformed. That's such a massive change. This demon-possessed man, or once demon-possessed man, is now free of any demons, and he's now dignified. He's sitting there calmly, not running around violently. He's clothed. He's no longer naked. His mind has been cleared. He's not crazy. From rejection to restoration, that is exactly what we see here. That's the power that Jesus has to completely transform people. And don't think for a second, please, that this is a narrative that we've looked at tonight, that it's just a a nice story for us to hear and to smile and to nod at and to leave church smiling and nodding. This is God's word, and it, drives us, and it drives us to look at our own lives and ask ourselves some questions. Has God transformed me? Have I recognised for myself that Jesus really is the Son of God? I don't know if you're a daytime TV watcher, but I'm sure we've all been there at some point and succumbed to that level. Well, Maybe you've watched some of those property programs, the property renovation ones. I think they're perhaps the better of the daytime television ones, but Homes Under the Hammer, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, that kind of thing. And that's the image we're getting here. They buy the house. Maybe it was a slightly rash decision in that auction. And they go and see what they've got with their money, and it is literally a hole. There's mould everywhere. There's just, it's a complete mess. A complete mess. 
But normally, if it hasn't gone completely wrong, by the end of the programme, you see this beautiful house. White walls, new plumbing, the whole works. It's a complete transformation. And if you're here tonight and you think you've done too much stuff for God to forgive you, too much evil for Jesus to save and transform you, then stop and look at this man here. If Jesus is able to overcome the evil that was so obviously in control of this man's life, then don't doubt for a second that he can save you from the evil that's in your life too. Jesus is the supreme saviour. And by that I mean there is no one, not even Satan, the ruler of this world, who can challenge his authority. He is the supreme saviour. Last week we saw the Samaritans recognise that Jesus was the saviour of the world. That was the words that they used. And this week, as we look at the transformation that Jesus brings to this lost man's life, we have to recognise again that Jesus loves to seek and save the lost. And that he is willing to, he is as willing to welcome the sinner as he is able to save them and transform them. So, what are you going home remembering this evening? What's going to stick with you come Monday morning? Well, I really hope and pray that you know for yourselves that Jesus is the Son of God, whose power over all things, even evil, means we can have our lives completely transformed. Because of Jesus, this man had his life completely changed. And remember how we respond to big changes that we looked at at the beginning. If you want to tell other people about your new Xbox or your new house, then how much more would this man want to tell other people about the massive change that Jesus had brought to his life? And that's exactly what this man does. Look again with me from verse 16. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. They were amazed, and it's no particular wonder why that's the case, is it? They would have heard the cries at night from this demon-possessed man. They would have told their children to avoid going over there, because it's just not safe. But now, here before them is a man who couldn't be any further from that, could he? And they're amazed. And there are two ways of responding to Jesus that we see here in our passage tonight. We've all heard this eyewitness account, this true story of what Jesus did. And so, like the people in this passage, we're left with a decision to make. Do we, like those in verse 17, want Jesus gone? They plead with Jesus to leave. They still haven't quite got who Jesus is and what he came to do. 
So they're afraid of this man who does impossible things, and they tell him to go. And terribly, that's what Jesus does. If you reject Jesus, he will go. But know that if you reject Jesus, you reject life and reject the wonderful transformation that is on offer to you this evening. Or have you uh, believed and trusted in Jesus? Have you let him transform your life like this once demon-possessed man? And do you now seek to follow him? So, how will you respond to Jesus? Are you the people who say, Jesus, go? Or are you like that once demon-possessed man and say, Jesus, let me go with you? Like this man, do you obey Jesus as he sends us out to share with our friends and our family and our colleagues the transformation that has been brought in our own lives? There are two responses, only two responses that you can have to Jesus. One leads to life and wonderful transformation. The other to death forever without God. Look at those words in verse 20. The man went away and began to tell everyone in the area that he lived in how much Jesus had done for him. Again, like with the Samaritan woman, by simply sharing what Jesus had done for them and the transformation that they had brought to them, people became believers. People are amazed by Jesus. Do you want your friends and family to be amazed by Jesus? Well, then like this man, you can simply share the amazing work that Jesus has done in your life. But you might be thinking, well, that's all well and good for people who have an amazing testimony, who've had that lightning bolt moment. But mine's actually really boring. I've grown up in a Christian home. I haven't got anything particularly interesting to share. No sudden big changes. Well, if that's you, then stop that kind of thinking. Because what you're doing there is that you're saying the work of the cross actually wasn't that big a deal. You're belittling Jesus' death. Because if you're a Christian here this evening, then you have gone from death to life. From slavery to sin to freedom in Jesus. I could have just as easily uh, called this evening's message the demon-possessed man from death to life. Because this man was, for all intents and purposes, physically dying, staying amongst the dead in tombs, socially dead, rejected. But then Jesus comes along and he gives him life. He gives life to this dead man. And that work of salvation is the same work that has gone on in you if you're a Christian. And if you're not, then that is what is available to you. You can go from death to life. There can't be a greater testimony than that, can there? from death to life. So if that's you, then with this once demon-possessed man, you can tell the people that you live and work with and share your lives with, look at how Jesus has worked in my life. Look how much Jesus has done for me. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. So remember what we've seen today. We have a big enemy, but we also have a bigger God. 
And through Jesus, the all-powerful Son of God, there can be a big transformation in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you did send your Son to this earth to seek and save the lost. We are so lost without you, Lord. Like this once demon-possessed man, we are dead in our sins. But through Jesus, we can have life and we can have that transformation that we so desperately need. Help each and every person here this evening to know that they can go from rejection to restoration, from death to life through Jesus. I ask this in your name. Amen.